another episode of the Rooted Podcast, the official podcast of Parkland Chapel. I am your co-host, Alana. And I'm the other co-host, Jordan. Yes. And today we have a very exciting episode for you. Uh, we have Dr. I believe, wait, is it Georgia Purdom? We're just going to call her... Yes, Dr. Purdom. Dr. Purdom from the Ark Encounter... No, actually, Answers in Genesis. Yes, so Dr. Purdom is a molecular geneticist, and she holds a PhD in molecular genetics from The Ohio State University, and she formerly served as an assistant and associate professor of biology at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Dr. Purdom is also the director of educational content and actively speaks and writes for Answers in Genesis. So we get to talk to a professional in her field of molecular genetics today, and we will talk to her about how she got to be with Answers in Genesis, how we even got to meet her, and the providence of God working through that, and also discussing what is Answers in Genesis and why it helps especially youth, understand the Bible a little bit more clearly. We're talking a little bit about evolution, and if we get time to it, um, a rather difficult topic in today's society, or maybe controversial, sexuality, and what that looks like from a biblical worldview. Without further ado, Dr. Purdom. Woo! Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Good. I can hear you now. Oh, let's Wonderful. go. Good morning, Dr. Purdom. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Great. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time today to discuss some important topics and to uh, kind of pour into your life and you can pour into ours and we can impact the community around us. So thank you so much for that. Sure. My pleasure. And we got to know Dr. Purdom through our Ark Encounter trip overnight stay and you just so happened to be there that night, Dr. Purdom. What made you decide to camp out in the ark with us kids? Well, first of all, we thought it would be really cool. But um, secondly, uh, so the I'm the director of educational content. And so as part of my job, we are over the overnights um, at both the ark and the Creation Museum as far as content and things like that go. So um, we wanted to see kind of how they were done and what was what what they were doing in those and um, see how we can just look at that, if we can improve on that and, and, and those kinds of things. So, yeah. And that was your first night at the Ark, right? How long have you been working for Answers in Genesis? Because 15 years in June. Jeez, so, yeah. That's amazing. And, and you <laughs> just so happened to be there when we went there, because that was our very first youth overnight trip aside from right. camp. But I think it's amazing how God, providentially just aligned our paths together to have this interview. And for me, this is honestly, um, can I say like I'm fan geeking over this right now? Because like I used to watch your stuff before I came to Christ and you expounded on the Bible and answers in Genesis did such an amazing job and really helped me in my walk. So for me today, this is to, uh, you know, this is a dream come true in a sense because uh, it just helped me in my walk so much, and it made my foundation in the Bible so strong. And you know, I can't thank you guys enough. So for me, this is a this is an interview for a lifetime for me. So uh, this is really well, fun for me. Yeah, I'm just thankful yes. we can. <laughs> yes. So, Doctor Purdom, could you explain what you specialize in and what role you have at the Ark, and what all you do for AIG, and what AIG has done for you in your life? Sure. 
Oh, that's a lot. Um, so, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, so I have a um, PhD in molecular genetics and um, I received that back in 2000. And then uh, I worked a little bit. Um, I taught Christian college for six years. And then I came here to Answers in Genesis, like I said, about 15 years ago now. And so I am currently the director of educational content. And um, when people ask me what my job is, I just laugh a little bit because <laughs> it always encompasses, even though I have an official title, um, it always encompasses a lot of different things here. And so um, I do speaking, writing. Um, I'm also, I chair what's called the editorial review board, which is our internal review board that um, reviews all um, anything that we publish, whether content wise, whether it's the magazine, the newsletter, speaking, whatever it is, it has to go through that review board um, to make sure that the content is accurate and in line with answers in Genesis. That includes anything that we sell as well. So that's a huge job. Um, and then the director of educational content part is overseeing all of the uh, programming, educational programming that we do here at Answers in Genesis, as well as development of curriculum uh, for uh, schools and uh, homeschool and things like that. So that, in a nutshell, um, is my job. And um, so you, what was the other part of the question? Like what impact has AIG had on me? Yeah. So let me just give a little bit of my backstory. So I um, grew up in a Christian home and with very um, strong Christian home. And my parents loved the Lord and they always taught me um, that the Bible was true. Um, there was never a doubt in my mind that the Bible was true. They brought me up on a really good foundation for that. But as a scientist and as a kid interested in science, um, I, I had questions, you know, and especially as I, I got into, um, not so much in college, but I would say more as I was in graduate school, um, I started to really like, well, okay, I don't believe in evolution because there's no way all of this could have happened by random chance over eons of time because I'm a geneticist, right? So we study the little itty bitty things. And when you see how much like complexity is there, there's no way that, I mean, well, you can obviously because people do, but I would say it's major cognitive dissonance because I just don't see how you could look at that and think that. So that wasn't the issue, but the age of the earth was a big issue for me because I am not a geologist. I never had had really any training other than earth science in like the ninth grade. Um, and so I didn't really have any background to help me um, assess and really understand that issue um, very much. And so I was like, well, maybe it could be, you know, billions of years old, <clears throat> you know, or something before God created or whatever. And so I was like, okay, I need to figure this out because I was teaching college at the time and I kept getting this question. Um, so this is after, you know, even during graduate school, I was questioning that. And I should say, I didn't get involved in any conversations on the whole evolution creation debate because I wanted to get my PhD. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, it, you know, even, even back, you know, that's been 20 years, 21 years ago now, it was more than 21 years ago. It was a, challenging environment because you knew there were certain things you could say and not say. And I mean, people knew I was a Christian, but um, I never really revealed what I thought about evolution or any of those issues. I kept out of those conversations. And so um, anyway, so when I started teaching college, I was like, well, I really need people are asking me these questions and I'm like, I don't really know how to defend my faith. Like, I don't really know what is true about this and what is not true and why I believe it. And one morning I was having devotion and I read first Peter three fifteen, and it was like, always be ready to give an answer. And I'm like, I don't, 
I'm not ready to give an answer. I don't know how to give an answer. And the Lord really used that to say, you need to figure this out. And so I spent the next year reading everything I could and trying to really understand the issues. And I finally realized that this is really an issue of, you know, we all have the same evidence, but we look at the evidence from different starting points, different foundations. So it really is a foundational issue. You know, do we start with the word of God or do we not? And I realized that when we start with the word of God, um, it's clear, you know, that God created in six literal 24 hour days, that this did occur only a few thousand years ago. So it can't be billions of years old. And then once I started to read more and understand more too, I realized that geology is not this rock hard science, you know, that people think it is. Um, Cause it isn't, I mean, it's based on, especially radiometric dating is based on a lot of assumptions and, you know, the starting point issue. And so I started to really understand more how we can, how we can see that actually a lot of things point to the earth being young um, and support what the Bible says versus being billions of years old. So that's kind of a long answer to that question. But but that was the way that, you know, AIG really impacted me. And I just became on fire for that. Like I wanted to share that with other people because here I was growing up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian college and um, been in Christianity all my life. And yet I didn't know these answers to these questions. So I wanted to help other people have that same information. Yeah, I can relate to that too. Like growing up in church, I know I had a lot of those questions because I love science, but science was giving me an answer and then church wasn't. And, you know, it's not necessarily their fault, but I would try to ask people like, what about the age of the earth? And it was like, oh, that's not important enough. Let's, let's go mm-hmm. to the, let's go straight to the gospel, you know? And so my foundation in Genesis was shaken by that. Um, and, you know, I love what you guys do because that really made that more well, it made my foundation in Christ even more uh, solidified through that. So. I do have this question, though. What did the training and schooling look like to get a molecular geneticist degree? Um, well, you, you better love science. You better love, <laughs> <laughs> better love what you do because um, it's hard. Um, so I went to college for four years. So I had a bachelor's degree. Um, uh, it's actually a pre-med biology major. And then um, I actually took a year off between college and graduate school. I worked for a year um, as, in a lab, actually, um, up in Case Western Reserve University up in Northern Ohio. And then I went to Ohio State University for my PhD uh, and went five years there. So are, uh, are you a huge Buckeyes fan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be an understatement. Uh, yeah, no, I, I always, I have this joke, ongoing joke with my husband. So I married my husband my um, second year of graduate school, and I always tell him I married him because at that time, uh, graduate students were allowed to get two tickets to the games if you were married. No way. No way. Oh, so hilarious. my husband was not a football fan, but my dad was a huge Buckeyes fan, so I would take my dad to all the games. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you so you did uh, grad school through Ohio State and then now you're here. So that's that's amazing yeah. cuz you know, I feel like sometimes at least from, from what I've learned. So I try to share like AIG with some of my uh Christian friends. So I went to a Bible camp and tried to share some of AIG with some of my friends and stuff and they were to say, "Well, they're just very critical with Genesis. I'm like, well, they're just taking a literal look at it. And sometimes it'd be like, well, they don't really have the authenticity or they're, or they're not true scientists. I'm like, well, Dr. Purdom went to the Ohio State like, University. Like they have degrees in their field. And like you said, you guys look at the same evidence just with a different starting point. And so I guess that can kind of go into the next thing. 
why we should take a literal look at Genesis and why it is important to understand the foundations of Genesis, because I do have a friend who looks at chapters 1 through 11 as kind of allegory, or for instance, like the flood of Noah was a picture or an image of the judgment of God, but didn't really happen, or uh, the six-day creation was eons of time, and you know God used evolution as a ma- macro evolution as a tool for His design and creation. And you know I'm trying to answer this with your guys' answers, but then it's like they're trying to say, well, what did the authors of Genesis really try to get at? And it's almost like they're trying to input things in the Bible with what they see around today and not that pre-flood world, if that makes any sense. So that was a long introduction to that, but, you know, just kind of like why that is important to take that for what Genesis says it is. Well, and I think it's just like any other part of the Bible. I mean, when you look at, let's say, you look at the New Testament and you look at the uh, virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, those are clearly things that are not I can't explain using science, right? Because virgins don't give birth and dead people don't come back to life. So I cannot, I can't scientifically prove that. Okay. Because it's outside the realm of science. It's a miracle. That's what it is. By definition, it's a miracle. And because God is the creator of the scientific laws and he can abide by them or he doesn't have to abide by them because he created them. So I, so they don't question those things. Right. And those are clearly miracles and, and, they don't question that, but yet when it comes to Genesis, it's like a whole different story, right? Yeah. And so they're 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 inputting things like you said very well from the world into that, um, and we call that eisegesis. You know, it's it's putting your ideas into scripture rather than reading out of scripture. I mean, I'm pretty sure the individuals you're talking about wouldn't question the virgin birth or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Correct. So, and, and those are clearly miracles. And I, you know, like I say, science can't explain them. But so why question these miracles in Genesis? You know, yeah. why, why is there that, I, I always try to bring out, why is there that inconsistency, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what I've seen in 15 years of working here, you know, it, it's really amazing to me to see how Christians who, who start to give up who give up Genesis, okay, as history. It's amazing the slippery slope that then happens because I've watched these individuals, literally watched them over the years, you know, oh yeah, billions of years is true. Oh yeah, you know, animals evolved. Oh yeah, humans evolved. Oh yeah, there was no Adam and Eve. Well, then all of a sudden, if there's no Adam and Eve, there's no fall. <laughs> yeah. And why, how are we saved? What was the point of Jesus Christ? You know, and so then they start questioning the gospel and they start saying, well, maybe we're saved by our works. You know, it's what we do. Christ mm. was sent to be a good example to us and nothing more. And, and so that's the thing. It just really, it takes away from the authority of scripture. And the thing is, is that if you look at Genesis, I mean, we should just be able to read the Bible as it's written. You know, it's not rocket science. (laughs) It really isn't. Um, I'm not saying every verse is equally easy to understand, Mm -hmm. but um, everybody can read it and understand it. I mean, when you look at people who, who, who literally gave their lives so that the Bible could be translated into English and in other languages, they knew that was so important because they wanted people to understand what God's word said. I mean, and they, they knew it could be understood. And so if they just had it in the language that they can understand it. So I, I think we, we try to make it really hard when it really isn't. And, and if you look too, even if you go into the Hebrew and you look at the analysis of 
the, the verbs that are used there. Dr. Stephen Boyd's done a great study of that. They are verbs that are used in history um, in historical narratives. They're not verbs that are used in like Psalms or poetry or things like that. So even if you look at it from the original language, it's meant to be a historical narrative. So why not just read it as, I think that's what we need to ask people is, why don't you want it to be this way? Yeah. Why are you questioning it when you yeah. don't question other parts of scripture? Yeah. And another thing I learned about like the Hebrew uh, language. So my pastor and I were actually going through Hebrew and we're learning how to um, speak it and write it out. So that's been fun. But Thank also, you. yes, yes, it is a challenge, but it is, is a, it is a ton of fun and it's a lot of, you know, <laughs> but um, uh, one thing I learned was anytime there's a numerical value in front of, let's say day, it's a 24 hour period like the eighth day, the fifth, whatever it is, it's a 24 hour period. And I, I hear that. I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And the biggest thing I have when people try to explain millions or billions of years is death before the fall. Like, how do you explain the the diseases and dinosaurs and all these things without their, uh, without the sin being first? You know, and it's like the, 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 the result of sin was death. And if you have that before sin, then, you know, what's the point of Jesus coming if, if that was part of God's creation? And so yeah. it, that always stumps them. They, I, I have never had a good response to that. It's always like, well, well I'll try to find more out about it. I'm like, I don't know if you yeah. can. <laughs> and you can't. And, and sadly, you know, and that was for me one of the big turning points. Like yeah. when I, like, even though I'd grown up in the church and I'd gotten a really good foundation and everything, it was like, I had never thought about that really. Like, even though I didn't really believe in evolution, I knew if millions of years was true, then where'd all those fossils come from? You know, I, I mean, all of a sudden you start thinking, well, maybe I need to rethink these things too. And I remember literally sitting, I had just seen a presentation um, that, that talked about that, that discussed that very issue. And I literally sat in a room and I was like, oh, it's like the light went on, you know, yeah. and I was like, you can't have death before sin. So therefore millions of years and evolution cannot be true for a Christian. I mean, I mean, if you're going to be a true Bible believing Christian, I, okay, let me preface that. You can be a Christian without <laughs> believing that, but to be a consistent Christian, to be consistent mm. in your beliefs, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for me was just like one of those turning points where I was just like, wow, okay, this, there's no other way for this if you're if, and like you say and it relates to the purpose of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ it's the whole that's the whole culmination of all of that and so how do you have that how do you have the good news if you don't have the bad news you know so to speak yeah. so could you go and define the term biblical worldview uh, when I got to know that that really affected me because my whole walk was, when I was learning this, it's almost like people were trying to separate the sacred and the secular and not combine those two and make that your walk, you know? So what is a biblical worldview, if you could define that, and why that is important to have as a Christian and not to separate, you know, what you learn in school or your job or how you how you vote even? Like, why is that important to have in all aspects of your life and not to keep that separate? Right. I mean, we, a biblical worldview means starting with the foundation of God's word for everything with how we look at the world and understand the world. That's what we start with and that that is sufficient, that we don't need 
all these other things. Um, yes, science, history, archaeology, all those things support what God's word says. I mean, they or they confirm it. But I mean, we that we are starting first and foremost with God's word, and um, and that it is adequate for understanding our world and how we should live in this world. Um, there are principles there, for example, for even voting and how we should vote. You know, um, and understanding that. Um, so, and it's not to say that Christians might not you know, a hundred percent agree, but like, we know that if a candidate is pro-abortion, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible is clearly pro-life, right? Murder is wrong, regardless of where the individual is. So to, so that should guide our voting, right? That should guide us when we vote. Um, so that it has that foundation to help us understand that. And there really all the answers are there. I mean, I, I think we tend to get into this idea that we need to go to all these other places to find answers, but but we don't. God's word has it. And even if it doesn't specifically talk about something, there are principles there that guide us and help us be able to come to answers to the, the problems or the questions that we have. Yeah, like for the Bible never says, like, God is against abortion. Like, that term is not found but right. through his character and his nature, like that is revealed. And I think you really hit that well. Now, let's talk about evolution. Okay. <laughs> um, so what is our world teaching our kids about evolution? If you could kind of dive into that more, expound on that. You know, we're all from one common ancestor, the fossil record, even though <laughs> the fossil record is probably... Uh, the enemy of evolution, uh, but they insert uh, common ancestors, even though we haven't found them yet. So if you could kind of expound on that a little bit more. I mean, yeah. So evolution is taught to kids, and not just in the schools. I think we commonly think of that, but it's being mm -hmm. taught through their cartoons. It's being taught through, um, you know, any other kind of through social media, through even commercials on TV. I mean, it's being taught in all of those different areas to really indoctrinate kids into that belief. Um, my daughter was in public school <clears throat> for a while. And I remember when, when she was in second grade, she brought home something. And you see it a lot, even in, in history, um, in like the social sciences, when they're younger, they'll get into like how about Neanderthal man or caveman and and she even had a thing she brought home that said dinosaurs evolved into birds, you know? And I mean, here she is in second grade, you know, and I'm thinking, wow. really? That early? So you see that, that that indoctrination is going on. So they are teaching them that they're nothing more than animals, right? So they're just mm -hmm. a highly evolved animal. Um, and so I always say it shouldn't surprise us then that we have things like school violence and problems with that and, and disrespect. I mean, you see an increasing amount of disrespect for authority. Well, why not? I mean, why? When you teach them they're nothing more than animals, I don't know why you would expect <laughs> them to respect your authority um, or, or not commit. I mean, why not just do what you want to do? I mean, you don't. Then you don't have a foundation for morality, right? You don't have that foundation. There's no absolute standard for morality, so you can decide your own morality. So it just one thing leads to another. So you know, <clears throat> as far as the things that we're seeing in the textbooks, you know, we're definitely seeing the fossil record, like you said, that that being proof of evolution. Um, that these things, it took, takes millions of years for fossils to form that, you know, the lower you go in the rock record, the older things are, the rocks are, the fossils are, and that just shows evolution from simple to complex, you know, because the fossils get more complex, the higher you get in the 
fossil record. Um, you've got things like natural selection. That's a big one. Um, they'll teach that natural selection is the same thing as evolution. Um, but, but we know that it's actually not something that leads to the kinds of changes that evolution needs, which is to change like dinosaurs into birds or whatever um, it may be, or, or, or apes into man. I mean, those are different, very different kinds of changes than what happens with natural selection. That's just leads to like speciation or variation within an animal. Um, so those are things that you definitely see. You also see origin of life, a lot of origin of life experiments, you know, like supposedly these things prove that you can get these molecules that you need for life forming from, you know, from non-living things, but really all you're really seeing is very carefully designed experiments by scientists who use their intelligence um, to, to form some things. But so what if you get a few molecules, those need to be able to come together and form life. I mean, and that's very, very different than what they're actually getting. So those areas are definitely the ones that you see being promoted the most in schools and um, in other avenues to children as well. Yeah. And so when I was in college, I was taking my ornithology class. And wait, we were, wait, wait. What is ornithology? The study of birds. Oh. Yes. And so we got on to Archaeopteryx first semester mm-hmm. and how that was the the like the key from dinosaurs to birds or uh, birds yep. to dinosaurs. I mean, whatever they want to say. But then my second semester of that class, <laughs> new evidence came out and showed that Archaeopteryx was not what we thought it to be. And so my professor's like, well, throw everything out the window that you learned first semester. We got to start new from somewhere else. That's so, hilarious. Oh, it was yeah. so embarrassing. I'm just like, uh, this makes sense in the fact, if you look at it from a biblical worldview, but now if you're studying from like a secular worldview, it is it's like, it just crumbles and you have to like start over and make something else up. It's, I was just listening to actually, what is it? Your like Answers Daily like podcast? Answers News. Yes. And I think, I don't remember how recent it was, but they were, the scientists were d- describing how nothing, how everything came from nothing. And they're like, oh, it was like fibers. And it's like, yes. fibers are still something. <laughs> like they may not like, have life but it's still something so yeah we have we have news articles on there all the time we just had a couple on monday where they oh we have to throw this out the door now we got to restart on this i swear we have one of those a week at least you know (laughs) and and we're not even doing all of them and because they found these calcite crystals and some fragments of ostrich shells in africa inland okay not on the coast inland they're like oh well, the Homo sapiens must have evolved then inland as well. Like they're more intelligent than we thought. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy just how, like, once you try to, it's so much effort to try to just prove the Bible. Like it's like, oh, this and this, oh, we're wrong. Like they must not have any, like, like they must, like their their pride or whatever must be like really, or it's really high because they're just like, oh, we messed up again. Like, <laughs> yeah. Here's a a question for you, like, and so in in what they're trying to teach us is that we're growing as like the smarter species of human, if that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. um, from a biblical worldview, like Cain went out and built a civilization, like your average human can't go do that. And I don't know why our society is trying to portray like we are the epicenter we're the the pinnacle of 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 mankind like we're it but obviously that's not true 
mm-hmm. you know. So I, I I don't know why they would teach uh, like Neanderthals to be like these dumb, you know, creatures that just roamed the earth on their forelimbs and didn't do anything. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't necessarily understand that at all, why they would do that. Um, but how can a Bible-believing Christian say God uses macroevolution? Or have you heard from their side, like, oh, yeah, this is how God could use macroevolution? Wait, wait, before, before you answer that question, can you define macro and microevolution? Oh, that is a good idea. <laughs> so... Um, I don't actually like the terms macro and microevolution. So um, macroevolution, though, is the idea that you have these large-scale changes as you go from one type of organism to another. So dinosaurs to birds, for example. Microevolution, the way it's typically used, is that it's just small-scale changes. So that lead to just variation, like within an organism. The reason I don't like using like the term microevolution is because um, evolutionists might say, well, you just get that over enough time, even if those little small scale changes can eventually lead to big changes. And I would argue, no, they can't. Um, those small scale changes would never do that, so to speak. Um, they would never lead to another kind of organism. You need, you need the type of change that you need is not what you can get um, by any mechanism and biological mechanism and that's the that's the core problem so certainly there are christians that believe god used evolution as to how god did that um i've not really heard a good answer to that um because like especially like if you look at the intelligent design movement which is um some christians some people that aren't christians in that movement that they want to use like how complex life is to say god must have had some involvement in it or at least started it or some intelligent designer. They don't even necessarily identify that, that being as God. Um, but they won't get into the how part of it, you know, and that's, that's a big problem. And the same thing for theistic evolutionists. All right. So these are Christians who, um, um, most of them would be born again Christians. That's what they, I should say they're professing Christians. Um, they profess Christ, but they clearly believe that God used evolution. But as to how God did that, they all say like, well, the days represent long periods of time. They're more just a, you know, maybe some of them might believe this is the, the sequence, you know, because it kind of follows, they would say the sequence in which things evolved, which it really doesn't. But okay, <laughs> we'll give them that for right now. But, um, you know, that, that God would have... Um, that God somehow, I don't know, because I, I haven't heard a good explanation that he somehow intervened at certain points and did certain things. They don't know because they don't have any good, it's not in the scripture, obviously. And we can't tell that from science, you know, because these things have happened obviously in the past. So they just don't really have a good description. They might just say, well, God started everything and then step back and everything just came naturally. Or they might say God intervened at certain points to do certain things like even with Adam and Eve, I've heard that recently that, well, you know, you know, apes evolved to a certain point and then God stepped in and did something, you know, but they don't have a good, consistent, coherent explanation. All right. So we're going to touch on maybe, well, this is definitely controversial in today's age of sexuality. Go for it. Yes. So are people born gay? No, they are not born gay. There is no, there is absolutely no evidence to support that. So I have a whole talk on that particular, whole presentation on that particular issue because 
that is one of the most asked questions I get as a geneticist today. Um, when I speak in the museum, I have sadly parents come up to me that are you know, concerned for their children and what their children have made decisions on. And so I decided, you know, I really need to look into this more deeply because I wanna make sure that I'm, you know, um, I wanna see what is the evidence, you know, out there. This is observational evidence. So this is something we can study in the present because there's been all kinds of genetic studies done on individuals who profess, who say they're homosexual. And um, again, the evidence is extremely inconclusive. I mean, extremely inconclusive. Um, Sometimes they do find some variations, but most of the time, the problems with the studies are either they're only studying one ethnicity. <laughs> so it could just be something specific to that ethnicity. The population that they're studying is extremely small. Okay, so to do genetic studies, good genetic studies like that, you need a lot of people. Um, and even in some of those that have actually involved a decent amount of people, uh, again, it's just like, well, if you actually look at the research paper, not the news that's made off the paper, right? If you look at the actual paper, the scientists themselves will say things like, this is very inconclusive. Uh, we don't really know uh, if this, you know, if does this lead to homosexuality? We, a lot of times the variations they find, they don't even know. They're in things, they don't even know what that gene does, you know, or they don't know how that gene could be involved in brain development or could be involved in sexuality. Like we don't even know how that is. And so I would say no. And here's the other thing. Even if we did someday find a genetic link, all right, let's say to homosexuality, it's the same thing I would say is if we would find a genetic link, link to adultery or alcoholism or lying, or stealing, or any other sin, mm. we live in a sin-cursed fallen world. And that's how these things have come about. And that does not mean that we are, we, we are not able to overcome those things with God's help. Because it says, such, Paul says, such were some of you, right, in, in 1 Corinthians. And so we can have freedom from those things. Um, just, it doesn't matter what the sin is, we can have freedom from those things. And we're ultimately still responsible. We cannot blame our biology, right, for that. Um, and so because because God has clearly spoken against homosexuality in scripture, so therefore it is a sin and therefore we can be we can be forgiven of that sin. There's hope in Christ to be um to be taken out of that lifestyle. And I and I I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh Rosaria Butterfield, um, but she's a friend of mine and Oh, you need to get her, you need to get her book and read it. Um, she was a, a lesbian. She had a partner. She was full-time into that lifestyle, gay rights activist. And she is now a born-again Christian, a pastor's wife, and has four children. Oh, let's go. So, um, God redeems people. And that is the awesome message of that. And we've got a couple of DVDs in our store. Um, Emily Tomes is another uh, woman who's come out of that lifestyle. And wow. um, so you know, God saves and, and, and God's grace is greater than all of that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's an amazing redemption story. Um, mm -hmm. what about the topic of being transgender? Uh, I know you talked to my mom for a little bit, um, mm -hmm. and she's doing a mentoring program and she mm -hmm. was asked to mentor, uh, with a third grader, a nine-year-old struggling with transgenderism, like how in the world a nine-year-old. 
that just breaks my brain, and ultimately, I mean, it just breaks my heart that that is even a topic that we can bring up now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I agree. Anyways, yeah. So what, I looked. Yeah, at, go ahead. So I looked at the transgender issue too. So when I looked at the homosexual link, you know, I said, "Well, is there a transgender link?" So not as many studies have been done because transgenderism is a fairly recent phenomena, um, at least widespread. Uh, and so it, it ha- there hasn't been as many stu- studies done, but the studies that have been done have shown, again, no link whatsoever, um, biological reason for that. Um, I, I will say that I think what is going on right now with children and being allowed to have um, you know, hormone blockers or cross-sex hormones it is literally the largest scientific experiment done on children that is both oh. sanctioned by the government and by physicians and by their parents. Oh my and God. I, I am, I, it, I am abhorred that this is, that this is happening. To what age are they starting that at? Or is there well, like an, go ahead. Young. Really? Like, I mean, we're talking before puberty. Yeah. yeah they like barely have hormones. <laughs> and so they're just injecting themselves with these, well, yeah, they'll go to a doctor and the doctor, you know, none of these doctors, well, I won't say none of them, but a lot of them don't want to be, you know, found to be not woke. And so they will <laughs> or get in trouble. So they give these, these 10 year olds or, tw- you know, 11, 12 year olds, yeah. they want to stop puberty because once, you know, so they'll give them hormones that block their, hor- or give them puberty blockers, basically things that block those hormones from acting. And then once they get a little older, they give them cross sex hormones, which means if you're a female, they'll give you male hormones, or if you're a male, they'll give you female hormones. So you develop the opposite sex. I I mean, that is unreal. Yeah. And here's the thing we, you know, we tell kids, okay, so what if a girl came to you, came to me and said, I, you know, I feel fat all the time. So I want to be anorexic. I want to be bulimic. I want to throw up all the time. We, we would say, what? No, that's wrong. You know, we need to help you. But if someone comes and says, I want to be the opposite sex. Oh, here you go. Here's a hormone yeah. cocktail. I'll help you live that out. And you're a like, hormone cocktail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's crazy how much it has changed ever since like we were kids. So like, I mean, what, that's been like 15 years, maybe? Like yeah, This wasn't even a time. I mean, it was very under the rug, so yeah. to speak, but now yeah. it's it's just so accepted. And while it's, it's so much based on feelings, it's like, this is my reality because this is the way I feel. Like, there is absolutely no scientific evidence, and everything's just assumed. Mm-hmm. And because, like, whenever I was little, I was like, I was such a tomboy. Like, I wanted to be one of the guys. I yeah. would, you know, wear bas- long basketball shorts. And if that happened today, people would tell me, Oh, you yeah. need to, you, you are welcome to be a boy. Like I wished I was like boy, but now I grow up. I'm like, Psh, I'm so glad I'm a woman. Like this is who yeah. God made me and this is yeah. my identity. So it's, we're, they're, they're playing God basically. And yeah. you know, it's like, and to have kids make those decisions and then like parents are being thrown in jail because they're protecting their kid because like kids can't make life altering decisions like that. Psh, like, <laughs> Yeah. Like I had third grader put glue on his face and then he regretted it like 20 minutes later. <laughs> so like, can you imagine something so... Well, I mean, think about all the decisions you make as a kid and you think, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I didn't like carry that out or go through with that or, you know, I mean, uh-huh. 
were ki- those are kids. I mean, they don't get to choose. They don't get to choose things. They don't get to choose when to go to bed. They don't get to choose what to eat. They don't get to choose to do their homework. Uh-huh. But yet they get to choose their gender. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's lunacy. I mean, mm-hmm. you you just see a total stepping away because you know in Romans it talks about God giving them over. Right. This is God giving us over to sin because we have we have abandoned the creator and we are serving the creature rather than the creator. And we're being given over. And that's yeah. just that's what's happening. Yeah. Do you know any statistical reports on the suicide rate in change and people of transgender? What from what I've heard and I haven't done anything recent or looked at anything recent, but I heard there was a pretty high suicidal rate for those people who you know, we're like, as a kid, oh yeah, I'm this, but then 10 years down the road and their body's completely different. They're just like wrecked. And and then they end up killing themselves because of that. Do you know anything about that? Or I I mean, I couldn't quote stats off the top of my head for it, but I have heard that same thing. And it doesn't surprise me really, because again, you're fighting against the way that God created you. So you, Mm -hmm. it should not feel normal. And I think, and I'm not saying there isn't a legitimate gender dysphoria there isn't legitimate some people struggle with this it's just like some people struggle with homosexuality some people struggle with these things i'm not not arguing that we all have our sins that we struggle with but that doesn't mean that we then just aid and abet that sin and and say it's okay and so that's where i think and i think too and i mean i could be wrong on this but i really honestly think in about 10 years from now when these kids grow up and they get older there is going to be a huge backlash on this. I mean, I really, really think because you can't sustain this. And so I just think we're going to see all these kids saying, what were you thinking? Like, why did you let me do this? I was a kid. I was 10 years old and you thought it was a good idea for me to pick my gender. I mean, I, I, did, I could be wrong, but I have yeah. a feeling we're going to see that. Yeah. And if only people would just take the Bible for what it says and, you know, it starts with Genesis. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if, you, you've probably said this too, but if you can take the first verse in the Bible, then everything else should be a breeze, right? If God mm-hmm. created everything, then everything in the Bible should be... Um, that. I mean, everything else is easy, so to speak of. Right, right. And uh, I guess we're kind of closing out here as we're kind of getting to our time, uh, would you want to talk about what's what's going on new at the Creation Museum? I know you had your pro-life exhibit mm-hmm. uh, kind of walking through that. If you kind of want to expound on that a little bit more. I know I know you said something about it at the ARC, but we were kind of cut short yeah. for that. But yeah. So we have, it's our fearfully and wonderfully made exhibit. So what it does is it really um, show it's really a powerful pro-life exhibit showing the development of the baby in the womb, talking about issues like abortion, adoption, um, and, and really and even miscarriage, and, and even just really helping um, affirm life from the moment of fertilization. And so we're in the process of developing that. Right now, it's just a temporary exhibit, but we're in the process of making that a permanent exhibit and the space for that. Um, so we're really excited about that. We also have our new Borderlands exhibit that we're working on. So it's Israel at the time of Jesus um, to kind of finish out our seven C's that we have, our Christ cross and consummation. While we do have a great exhibit for that, this will be even more talking about the culture and the lifestyle and things like that. 
Um, and so we're doing those exhibits here and uh, constantly expanding our zoos. Every time I turn around, there's new animals there. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, of course, in educational content, we're continuing to expand our educational programming. And um, we have camps this summer and more high school labs. We're about to finish down at the ARC. We're about to finish the lower level of our answer center, which is our large auditorium. And that will have a big lab space for us down there as well as classrooms. Um, and we're doing, we're making actually the answer center look more like it belongs there now. So we're adding a facade to it to make it really fit into the, the time of Noah, shall we say kind of thing. So, nice. um, that's neat. So there's, there's always like a million things going on. Yeah, no, it's, and, and it really is, I, I think truly a testimony to that God has really called that to be there. I mean, it's all privately funded. I mean, I can't imagine the backlash you guys have received. I can't imagine some of the messages you've received, even from, I think it would hurt even more from other believers, you yeah. know, rather than just a non-believer. Like, yeah, I mean, that's expected. But, you know, if you truly believe what God has for you guys to do there, and they're kind of saying, well, I don't know, like, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I guess but, it's kind of like Noah, what he yeah. <laughs> experienced. Yeah, so. you guys are Noah, modern-day Noahs. Modern-day Noahs. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Yeah, at the zoo they had... Uh, uh, the walk uh, walk through with the kangaroos in the wallaby. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh yeah. Yes. Have you have you held the sloth? I have not held the sloth. I oh. have held a joey though. Um, oh, we had a joey uh, several. This is a few years ago, and I was out there with my daughter, and they give it to you in like this giant purse thing, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm holding a joey. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, no, but I have not held. I have not done. I mean, I've had. Um, I've been in the sloth enclosure, you know, to be able to see them up close, but I've not, I've not held. Have you been to Israel? I have. Yes. Um, I went in 2019. And how was that for you? Wow. I, I, I tell people, if you ever have the chance to go, you should definitely go at some point in your life. I took my daughter with me and I think for her too, it, it's just such a faith affirming journey because you get to see like all this archaeology stuff. I mean, you're literally walking <laughs> where Jesus walked. I mean, yeah. you're literally like, I mean, I'm not saying you worship those things, but you, it just gives you that, like, even when I read the Bible now, I'm like, oh yeah, I was there. Like, I know exactly where that's talking about. And, and two, I think it helps you understand more like certain passages from scripture like when Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, which was a big pagan area, and they worship all these gods and goddesses. And what did he say to Peter? Who do people say that I am? Mm-hmm. And that's a great, and so it brings it into more context because you're like, yeah, that's a great question to ask there because they've got all these gods and goddesses that they're worshiping. And so he asked his disciples, you know, who do you, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And so I think it just makes it even that much more um, relevant. And uh, it's a great experience. People should definitely do it. Yeah, I went back in 2020, right before Mm -hmm. Corona just took over. I was going to say, what? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We we were the last flight out of Chicago, and we landed in Turkey. And then we got to Tel Aviv. And by the grace of God, we were able to do um, like the Jezreel Valley, Caesarea, 
Mm-hmm. And, but we couldn't do, we got to do everything but Jerusalem. Like when we got to Jerusalem, oh. it was all locked down, but we got to stand on the Mount of Olives. <laughs> but cool. but I've as we there, were, yeah. oh yeah. So as we were standing there, there were people recording us and like security guards like saying, hey, what are they doing here? <laughs> so, so we had to go back in the tour bus. <laughs> Didn't you say that you had, you got quarantined on like the Sea of oh, Galilee? Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was like our last stay on the Sea of Galilee. And they're like, all right, guys, you are quarantined. You have to stay on the Sea of Galilee in your kibbutzes for like, oh, dark. For, like two days. It's like, <laughs> oh shoot, I have to stay here on the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and we actually, we actually got a, um, there was a paddleboard, and so a couple of friends of mine we got on this paddleboard, and we kind of uh, walked on water, so to speak, to the shore like Jesus did, and we kind of reenacted the Decapolis scene. And so, oh, I loved Israel so much. I, I was even planning on going to uh, uh, Jerusalem University College out there and and living out there for a little bit, but as as God so intervened, that was not to the plan for now. But uh, I would love to at least live there for an extended period of time just to experience their culture. I mean, it is yeah, so it's... fascinating. Okay, so I guess uh, we just have a bunch of random questions for you to kind of end this. Okay. This, uh, random trivia. Random question. So, <laughs> Dr. Purdom, what is your favorite way a potato is made? <laughs> oh, gosh. This is uh, Elena's question that she asks everyone who she wants to get to know. Okay. I would have to say a baked potato with lots of butter and sour cream. Okay. Do you add any cheese? Like shredded uh, cheese? Bacon no, bits? Well, maybe sometimes. I like bacon and green onions on it, too, Ooh, if, okay. we're, if we're going to really do it right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm more of a hash brown type of guy. Ooh. Hash browns are, especially with your over-easy eggs, that is yeah, golden. Yeah, that would be good, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I would probably, I love, like, loaded tater tots. Oh, that's good. Potato tots. It's like hash brown. Potato tots are good too. I like I like potatoes in general. So yes. See everyone. See, I I did a. I went to New Zealand with uh, Youth with a Mission, and there were so many like international students. But the th- one thing that's very common between everyone is bread and potatoes. Yeah. All right. What does a day in the life of Doctor Purdom look like? Oh, or, no day is ever the same. That's or what? Sure. Or what would your ideal day be? Ooh. Well, I, I like interact. Okay. Not as many meetings, <laughs> um, time to work. Uh, I, I mean, I like to really, I like to speak. I mean, I love speaking at the museum or the arc and interacting with the guests. So I love being able to do that. Um, I love doing, I mean, I actually enjoy doing interviews with people. Like I enjoy this. I have another interview later today for a podcast and I enjoy that. Um, uh, I do a lot of, you know, just sitting at my computer reviewing things and, and reading things, writing things, you know, I mean, there is a lot of that aspect, answering email and things like that. But, um, but I really enjoy the the speaking with just interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, ideal vacation spot. Ooh. Hmm. I actually really like like the mountains and areas where like I can get away, like in a log cabin somewhere. And you would love of- to go on vacation with my mom. Oh my goodness. That, that's literally what my mom would do. Somewhere in Glacier National Park with a cabin. Yeah. With no cell phone signal. Yes. <laughs> like moose no all around. Yes. Yeah. All right, Dr. Purdom, I think we're good on our end. Okay. Um, Do you, you have know, any questions yeah. for us? Oh, yeah. 
Well, I hope you guys come back and visit and do an, an overnight at the Creation Museum. Well, I think that's our next yeah, that's your endeavor, yeah. honestly. Okay, yeah. okay. Good. Yes. So we're looking to kind of alternate, I think, every other year. Mm-hmm. So we'll do Creation, ARC, which allows Great. students in high school to at least go to the ARC and Creation Museum both. Like twice, you know. like give yeah. them like two options. Mm-hmm. So great. yeah, we, I know we enjoyed it and it was a oh gosh, pleasure a to just meet you and talk with you. I'm, I'm appreciative for all that you're doing and trying to help young people um, answer these questions and yes. find the answers to these questions while they're young. Yes. Um, and in those formative years, I just, I cannot tell you how um, actually rare it is in churches today, sadly, which is why we're having a lot of the issues. So I just, I, compliment you on that and and that's a, a great thing that you're doing yes. well thank you and so if we want to find if any youth want to find your uh, material or anything that you've written or like videos that you have where can that be found so they can go to answersingenesis.org and just type in my name and um it should i have like a bio and then it has like my articles and my dvds and then i'm also on social media i'm on facebook um, under Dr. Georgia Purdom. Um, so if you look for me there, I have a fan page. Um, so I'm a follower. I, I also follow. Facebook <laughs> is old. I, I, my, my daughter would say that's Facebook's for old people, but, um, I don't do all those other things. Um, I don't have time. And so, um, anyways, but I do, I do like Facebook. So that's what I, that's what I grew up with. <laughs> I got <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, Dr. Purdom, we thank you so much. And, you know, I just pray that, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. And I I, I know you probably don't hear a lot of positive things as much as the negative, but, you know, you did make a tremendous impact on my life. And, you know, I I can't thank you enough for what you did and what you continue to do. So uh, just keep fighting the fight. Right. And uh, and we really we really are encouraged by you and what you guys do. Uh, hopefully we can maybe do something more, uh, okay. you know, okay. in the future. So we'll stay connected with that. And, yeah. you know, so don't, don't feel like you're, uh, uh, what is that? Don't feel like you're stranger. a stranger. That's the word. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Any, anytime right. you're in Missouri, feel free to stop by Parkland Chapel and we'd love to show okay. you around and do that. But yes. all right. Well, do. other than that, right. have a great nice day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank all you. Right. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again, uh, Dr. Purdom, Dr. Purdom. Uh, for the time to be on Rooted, and we love what you're doing, and um, with that... That's all we got. Yeah. For this episode, all we right, are... Rudy's. Rudy's. Yeah, we have a lot of ex- other exciting content for you, but we'll keep that. Stay tuned. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.